Hello, everyone, and welcome to Speaking with Joy, a podcast to fill your soul, challenge your mind, and make you brave. I'm your host, Joy Clarkson, and an evangelist for all things good, true, and beautiful. So make yourself a cup of tea, find somewhere comfortable, and let's dive in to this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new season of Speaking with Joy. I have been on as long a hiatus as I've ever been on since doing the podcast, I think, buried deep in my PhD cave. I just turned in a full draft to my advisor, which was such a fun a fun thing and a relief, and now I have no idea what to do with myself, except for to become embroiled and excited about doing a new season of Speaking with Joy. And um, the theme for that season actually kind of came from the experience of finishing this PhD. Writing an 80,000 word dissertation on the one hand can seem to be something that's very isolated, right? Nobody else can write your dissertation for you. You have to sit and slog it through largely by yourself. But at the same time, as I finished those final words and went through editing sections, I couldn't help but think that this whole experience and, and the fruit of it in this, this long project was really a culmination of conversations. Many, many, many conversations. First, of course, you know, the conversations with my advisor, testing ideas, trying things out, eating raspberry slices. <laughs> um, the many uh, conversations that I had with colleagues. But even more than that, the hundreds and hundreds of books that I read um, or, well, rather perhaps not the entire books, but the chapters of books that I read and the kind of way that scholarship becomes this conversation with many different authors and many different books and many different traditions over years and years and years. And then I thought about the conversations that would, that would spring out of particular sections that happened, um, over coffee dates with friends, over long walks in the park with my mom, um, over the tape, dinner table with my brother. And I just thought about how much all of these conversations came in, into this PhD and that I could not have written it truly without the conversations that made it what it was. This is not something that comes out of your brain. And that made me think about what a fruitful and important thing conversation is. The ability to share viewpoints, to listen, to ask questions, to disagree, um, to see through the eyes of another person. And it also made me kind of compare that experience and this joy of finishing a PhD, the joy of finishing a culmination of many conversations with the kind of inability we have as a culture right now to have conversations. I feel like the more that we're isolated because of the way that life is right now, and um, but also because of the ways that we retreat into our ideological corners, there's this inability to converse anymore. We kind of just end up taking positions and shouting them at each other. And that is a deeply sad thing to me. Firstly, because I think it neglects the great historic conversations of the tradition of the best things that we've thought about, the, the, the most important questions, and the fact that these most important questions of who God is and how we live together and what it looks like to be loving or just or fair are questions that have been had for thousands of years. But it also takes out the joy of, of being able to discover truth together and the connection that we have in conversation and the humanity that we can't deny in another person even when we disagree with them. And so I've been thinking about conversation. I've been thinking about how much I love conversation. 
Um, I've been thinking about how much I loved having conversations about Wrinkle in Time and Revelations of Divine Love. And so as I've come to the end of this, this PhD, and I've thought about what I wanted to give back to the world, I thought the thing that I need most, that I enjoy most, and that I want to give back are good conversations about important things. And so this season is going to be a season of conversations. All of the podcasts will be between me and one other person that I think, or maybe more than one other person sometimes, that I think are interesting, intelligent, um, delightful people exploring uh, topics we think are important or um, that we should talk about together. And the very first person I'm going to have on today, who's been sitting here very sweetly nodding and encouraging me, <laughs> is the person who taught me how to have conversations and uh, who I think really set the value and the love of that in my heart to begin with. And that is my lovely mother, Sally. Welcome um, on the show. I'm so honored. <laughs> my goodness. I feel so honored to be the person that you're talking to about this. Well, it's so fun. And I think of you as someone who founded a love of and kind of a vision for conversation in many ways in my life. So I thought it would be lots of fun to have you on. Now, I feel like many listeners will know who you are um, and will maybe even listen to your podcast as well. But for those who may not, what do you do in the world, Mom? <laughs> well, the, the most auspicious thing I do, of course, is to, to be the mom of four amazing children, including Joy and my two grandchildren. But um, we are a family of words. We uh, we are paid, actually, to, <laughs> to do words. I'm an author and a podcaster and a blogger and a speaker, and um, I just love uh, what you're doing. I think this is so important, and especially as we look at uh, the times of the past uh, few months where we've been isolated from people, uh, conversations and friendship and and discussions um, are one of the things we miss the most mm -hmm. and one of the things that not only stimulate us, we'll have so much to talk about today, but they also make uh, emotional connections mm -hmm. to our hearts and to our friendships and to our community. To a community of people talking um, adds such dimension to our lives. So I'm excited about talking with you about this today. I know. I think that's why I wanted to do conversation because I was thinking... It's not just the wisdom that we lose. It's not just the, mm -mm. Um, I mean, we do need, we do need conversations to learn and to grow and to know we can't know things all by ourselves. We can't be wise all by ourselves. But it's also the joy of connecting with people. Mm -hmm. I, I think that one of the things that I love best in the world, and this may seem like a, both an obvious thing if you listen to the podcast and in some ways a trivial thing, but I love talking with you or with anyone about a book or a movie or something that I love or about an experience we shared together. And the experience of being able to share that and talk about it and think about it and explore it together and the joy that comes from connecting over it and um, learning something new together, um, it's the joy that we miss when we're isolated and we don't have our conversations too, the joy of discovering things together. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I want to do on the podcast. And then also what I kind of want to help other people do. One of the funnest things this summer for me was I hosted a book club, which you know, because mm -hmm. I was home most of the summer and I would come in and report about it to you um, on my Patreon about Julian of Norwich. Yes. And yeah. it was so fun because it, I kept on thinking of it as like this conversation with her, you know, reading it for me, mm -hmm. this conversation with this 14th century woman in England who lived in a tiny cell. And I was thinking, what an interesting person to conver converse with over, you know, literature. But then also hosting the book club, it's a little bit smaller um, over Patreon. 
getting to see the ways that people learned from each other and the things that were important to them and the ways that they saw things I wouldn't have seen. It was just this kind of joyful outpost mm -hmm. in um, in a world that, that felt very kind of strange this summer. And so that's what I want to bring to the world. And oh, it's what I think so you bring to the world with your podcast too. Mm -hmm. So mom, today I want to ask you about conversation. And in my mind, I kind of have three categories I want to ask about. One is conversation in parenting. Mm -hmm. Another is conversation in education. And another final um, element is conversation in faith and in mm -hmm. spirituality and discipleship. And of course, all of these are, um, when we were talking about it, I thought, well, that's just, that's the entirety of, that's what you have always talked about and taught <laughs> me. But it also, I think, bears a lot of resonances with your more recent book, Awaken the Wonder, mm -hmm. which is about um, education, but not in the strict way that we think of it, but in the sense of awaking a capacity to learn and grow in your children. So true. Um, so let me just start with, um, why was conversation and developing a verbal culture and uh, helping us be people who could have conversations, why was that important in your parenting specifically? What was that kind of a goal for you? Oh, it was such a goal. Um, well, first of all, I really, uh, I was really a student of Christ, not just of Christianity, but I, at the very beginning of my um, believing life, which was in college, I was pondering how did um, how did Christ so influence his disciples that they were willing to give their lives for his cause, mm -hmm. and basically uh, he he called himself the Word, mm -hmm. the message, and instead of just giving them some kind of a a textbook and said you have to read this and mm -hmm. then I'll give you a test on it at the end, he lived with them, he walked with them, he talked with them. I am the Word, I am the message, and he instructed them along the way. He uh, engaged their hearts and their minds. And, and so as a parent, I found him to be my mentor. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to copy a lot of the things that he did. But uh, the more I, uh, I thought about just influence and um, education and, and all these different things wrapped up together, I realized that the, the goal of the teacher or the goal of the parent isn't what the parent knows. It's to unearth and to capture the imagination the wonder, mm -hmm. the ability of the person being influenced. And so it, it totally changed the way that I wanted to be as a parent. Instead of me thinking I just had to lecture you and tell you everything you ever needed to know in life, mm -hmm. I thought um, each of my children have a personality, a unique personality, mm -hmm. and they are going to respond to truth differently, to information differently. Um, each of them have this brain capacity, this mental muscle capacity, but it has to be exercised. Mm -hmm. And so as a parent, um, we, we kind of made several goals that we started out with. Do you want me to keep going? Sure. <laughs> the first thing was I learned, um, I, I was just kind of studying and wanting to know how I could help my children. And the first thing is that when children are narrated to in life, mm -hmm. talked to all the time, oh, look, there's a little bluebird outside mm -hmm. singing on the window. Do you see the tree over there that's by the, um, the large wall? The more <laughs> a parent... Um, narrates words to a child, uh, the the bigger capacity the child has to think and to, and to know. And to feel comfortable in the world because they can describe, point to, ask for things. Right. Yeah. And um, actually, uh, the increase of vocabulary gives every human being a sort of power, mm -hmm. a power to know things, a power to create things, a power to, to, um, to communicate things. 
And, and so as a parent, we wanted to give you words. We wanted to give you um, the skill of using words, mm-hmm. of using words like, I love you, for, please forgive me. Um, you are so important to me. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, words are important in relationship. Words are mm-hmm. important in um, knowledge and education and scholastics. So basically, as a parent, we realized that one of the most important foundations we could lay would be to have to give to you as much vocabulary, as much um, imagination, as much ability to wonder in word pictures as we <laughs> could so that you would be able also to listen to the messages that we wanted to transfer to you. That's really interesting. And it's been fun to, you know, watch you and dad be grandparents because obviously I know that you did that, but because I was immersed in it, I couldn't, you, you, didn't know it. Of, <laughs> yeah, you can't step back outside of it and watch it. But I, you know, watching you and dad with Lily, I see you kind of narrating my niece, watching you narrate things to her and her be able to narrate them back. And she does, doesn't she? And she mimics she, she everything. <laughs> and how much pleasure she gets out of being able to, to just kind of know the right word for something, you know, and she's two years old. So like the other day when, when dad was putting together the chair and you walked in and she went, Keeny, Queenie, Queenie, um, I help uh, Papa put together the chair. Mm-hmm. And she felt so like a big deal because she could say what was happening. And what strikes me in you describing that as a goal, the goal of giving us words, is that you were giving us the ability to be conversation partners. Yes, yeah. Um, that it what you were giving us the ability to enter into mm-hmm. relationship and conversation. And this may seem unrelated, but I've started thinking about it more, I think, since getting to be a teacher at some level. Mm -hmm. Um, We get to tutor for classes in St. Andrews. And what I I like to think of it as is I'm not just giving them facts or whatever in an intro to theology class. I am helping them know how to become partners in the conversation. Right, right. And that's a great conversation. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing I always think about. I always think about the best of academic study is not here are the ten answers you need to know. Not just telling. Yeah, just telling you. It's the sense that there's this long history of important questions that we've all had. Whether it was, is there a God? What is God like? Um, how do we live together? What is beauty? And it's not like we've found the the exact answer you know we have mm-hmm. the exact answer to some of those questions but mm-hmm. it's the sense of there's an ongoing conversation about how to talk about these things about good questions to ask about the different ways to talk about the question mm-hmm. and so when I think with students I always think I am initiating them into the great conversation and I think that's what you saw yourself as doing with us was giving us the tools mm-hmm. um, and when you're a little kid those tools are simply the words mm-hmm. the ability to narrate and then as you get older um, the sense of history, what the conversation is like, the the, the interesting conversation topics to talk about, mm-hmm. and um, I'm going to say one more thing, and then uh, and then I want to. We've hear got it. lots to say oh, about do. words, don't we? Okay, well, <laughs> let me ask you this, and then maybe I'll add this later. Mm-hmm. Um, in our education, mm-hmm. something that was really important was discussion, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's so still so deeply a part of our family culture, even as we are grown ups. Um, (laughs) (laughs) we don't stop talking, do we? (laughs) Um, yeah. And you and dad would do things like, you know, dad would come to tea time on Sundays and he would have had a question about something he Mm -hmm. thought, or you would read us something and you would say, well, what do you think about this? Do you think Mm -hmm. it's right or true or not? Um, you know, 
even the less holy example of this would be getting out of church and having heard the sermon and, and, and saying, <laughs> and us, uh, picking yeah, the poor pastor yeah, apart. And us, <laughs> yeah, you know, rhetorically um, analyzing every word of the poor pastor's mm-hmm. homily. Um, but I think that's an example. You guys had this real value for teaching us to discuss. Mm-hmm. Why was that important for our education, do you think? Oh, so for so many reasons. I think that, again, um, when you read about intelligence, just mm-hmm. in and of itself, intelligence is often based on how much vocabulary you have. Mm-hmm. And the more you speak to a child, um, also, uh, I think that oftentimes people think of education as telling someone mm-hmm. something. But what they found, obviously, in, in so much of education is the more you ask questions, then mm-hmm. the more a child or a person has to engage their mental muscle. And so if you say, well, what did you think about the hero of the story? Would you have accomplished the same thing? Do you think it was scary or not? Do you, um, you know, what would you have done? How would you have written the story? Mm-hmm. And so the more that you ask questions, like, first of all, you talk, you talk and talk and talk and talk. And secondly, you ask questions because the more you engage a child's brain in having to synthesize words and coming up with something new. Well, this is what I think was important, mm-hmm. or this is how I would have written it, or these are all the heroes that I used to like. Then it's kind of like pathways speak to pathways and the incremental growth just from engaging someone in answering a question as compared to making them just memorize facts mm-hmm. is is just exponential. It's, it's amazing mm-hmm. um, how we do that. And I started realizing too that there's more, there's a bigger life involved in discussion amongst mm-hmm. several people. We had what we call the life giving table. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought, gosh, if we're going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of meals, we might as well make them purposeful. <laughs> and so we would take turns coming to the table at night, and we just got in the habit of doing it, um, asking you about news articles, about movies, about books that we'd read, about. And so in case any of you are wondering why I have a podcast, it's because I got to college and I thought, why doesn't anyone want to hear what I have to say? I know. <laughs> but also that's a part of it. It's uh-huh. a giving a child a perception that they're important enough to say something. And further than that, though, you also gave us a perception that we ought to have something worthwhile saying. Yeah. In other words, uh, we, we wanted you to hear things, to be engaged in things, but we wanted you to picture yourselves as message makers. Someone and, who could contribute. Yes, and so here, of course, all of you all are writers. <laughs> and people always say, what writing curriculum did you use? And I said, um, yeah, I said, well, we just read and asked questions. Yeah. But um, I do think that, uh, that even understanding any kind of truth, any mm-hmm. kind of spiritual um, ideal, any kind of manners or skill happens through words. It's these incredible, funny little things that are put together with all these letters Magic. and sounds. You I know. know. But <laughs> words words give power. And we wanted to empower you in the wonder of your mind, the creation of your mind. As I was writing this book, I thought, how can I tell people that education isn't memorization? Education is engagement. And it's it's a, this imaginative, it's imaginative creative process that takes place when you're given ideas, and then you have to shape something from it. Mm. Well, I'm going to add my um, my nerdy bit to that, which is that when you think about the great educators of the past, or when you think about the great even philosophical texts, some of the, the most important things that are written are not treatises, they're dialogues. So like, right. you know, Plato, so much of Plato is foundational to Western philosophy and political philosophy and 
and even you know to a lot of the ways that we think about Christianity. And the way that Plato wrote was he didn't write, for the most part, you know, this is what I think about this thing. He would write imagined dialogues, usually between Socrates and someone else, right? And and that's because I think that there's a reason for that, which is that it models for us that discovering truth mm -hmm. is something that we do in conversation, and it's something that we actually need other people mm -hmm. um, to see. You know, we only have two eyes. I can only ever see a limited range of vision. Right. Um, and that's that metaphor extended to learning and understanding is mm -hmm. that we need other people to be able to know more deeply. And there's something that we learn and that we get in conversation and in dialogue mm -hmm. that we don't get in any other form. We don't get just sitting by ourselves. We don't get just reading oh, books. Yeah. I think it, it so expands your ability to process information. And, um, you know, we know Plato and Socrates and then we know C.S. Lewis. Yes. Years in the Inklings, right near our house where well, we are in Oxford. I know. I was in, a, in a pub where they talked about stories and ideas, and they both said that uh, um, he and Tolkien said they deeply influenced each other's writing. From talking about it, something new came forward. Well, and I was going to say, I think that when I think of the writers, the people I admire most, there's almost always a context out of which they came. There's always conversations, important people. Um, I yeah, think usually they had a mentor of some They had a kind. mentor or or a wife or um, or a husband. Um, <laughs> or a, you know, they, there was a sense... A friend. A friend. There was, a sense of, there was a community. Like, I think of the Inklings. I think of... Um, How about the Disciples and Jesus? Yeah, the Disciples and Jesus. <laughs> but I think of the Brontes. I think mm -hmm. of the three sisters sitting together talking and even their crazy brother. Helen um, Keller and um, Annie mm -hmm. Sullivan. She yeah, saw this... the potential and drew out this conversation that was resting within... Helen yeah, Keller. or even think about the romantics, that there's this exactly. whole kind of crew of people bickering and creating, and um, and I just think that, I actually think the idea of, like, a lone genius is mm -hmm. one of the great kind of pitfalls of our world. Oh, I do too, and uh, isolation and memorization. Yeah. yeah, It's not that it's not important to memorize some things. Of course, but, that's a part but of... people lose uh, what they memorize quickly. People do not lose what they converse about as quickly. Yeah. Well, and I think that's... That's what I think with education. You you learn things, you memorize things, so that you can be a part of the conversations, that mm -hmm. you know the conversation topics. Um, but the goal is ultimately a pursuit of truth and doing that in conversation, helping each other see things we couldn't see otherwise. Mm -hmm. But that relates to another thing I wanted to ask you about, which is that um, amongst your, your principles and values that you inculcated in us very strongly... One of them was honor and humility. Mm -hmm. And being the extroverted <laughs> firebrand that I am on the inside and the outside, mm -hmm. that was always something that was slightly hard for me, um, I think. Because <laughs> you were always sure about what you had to say. <laughs> yeah, I was always, I was always like, pretty certain that I was right. And so uh -huh. something that you drilled into me, uh, for which I'm very thankful, mm -hmm. is um, the sense that you need to be humble. You need to be willing to listen to other people. You need to be willing to be wrong. You need to submit yourself to God, to sometimes, not to all authorities, but to the, to the sense that there are people who know more than you. Mm -hmm. And then the second part of that is that in conversation, in learning and in speaking, is the sense of honoring other people. Mm -hmm. That there is a sense of respect that is owed to each person simply because they're made in the image of God. And that a part of conversation is is engaging in a way that is appropriate to that. Why was that such an important value for you? 
I think on many levels, actually, and and one of the ways you really taught me, um, mm -hmm. I loved, uh, we would always meet after um, your day of studying and mm -hmm. my day of working uh, when we lived in Oxford before, and we would go to the parks and you would talk to me, but um, I think that until you learn to look inside of the other person mm -hmm. and to imagine what their story is and to, to say, what is your context? And that's what you taught me. We were walking mm -hmm. along one day and you said, I think that we all need to um, to observe people from the point of view of context. And mm -hmm. I think because Jesus said, I am humble and meek, learn from me. Mm -hmm. And he said to honor people and to honor your elders and honor one another. And honor actually causes us to have an attitude that gives worth to the personality and the thoughts mm -hmm. and the idea of another person. And I think that when um, when you limit intelligence or instruction, to just one right idea. We call that mm -hmm. indoctrination. Mm -hmm. Indoctrination is telling somebody there's just, um, this is the right way mm -hmm. and this is all there is to it. But when you um, when you honor someone, you say, well, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what mm -hmm. you're feeling. And, um, you know, I had this example when I started out the book, Awaken Wonder, and, and we were all observing all the stars and, and we were out um, sleeping under the stars one night on, on the deck. And um, I was observing this whole principle of honoring the personality because mm -hmm. uh, Nathan at the end of the night, I said, so, so what does this make you all want to do? Mm -hmm. And Nathan being the extrovert said, I want to draw a picture of all of us um, out here, <laughs> you know, laying on, on the sleeping bags and, and talking together and being friends. Mm -hmm. and, and then Joel said, I want to go um, find out about people who discovered the stars. Mm -hmm. And, and then, um, you know, Sarah said, I think I'll go write a poem about it. Anyway, what I was, uh, what I realized over the years mm -hmm. is that, uh, when you stand back, it's a, it's a humility mm -hmm. of saying, I can always learn something more. Mm -hmm. I can always honor, um, a person who's different than me. I can listen to why they think what they think. Mm -hmm. And of course, as you know, being the scholar that you are, you know a lot more than I do at this point no. and, in some areas. But um, you know that the more you learn to to understand and to question and to give honor to somebody's mm -hmm. worth of communication, that um, it enhances your ability to mm -hmm. think more broadly and to understand truth in a more uh, clear way. Yeah. And I think that honor goes both ways because I think that um, a lot of times we think about honor and respect as only for people above us, right? Mm -hmm. That I, I should listen and be humble towards people mm -hmm. above us. But you modeled that uh, towards us too, that mm -hmm. you that you honored our voice, what we had to say, what we were thinking about. And I think that you can't really have a conversation without a sense of honoring the person that you're in the conversation with, without actually caring about what they think. And... Um, and I think, too, as you were saying, with the ability to learn and grow, something I always talk to my students about in the first class or two is the idea of approaching people and texts that you're learning about with charity. Mm -hmm. That you have to, as so much true. as you can, um, anyone you talk to, if, if you, even if you're going to disagree with them profoundly, deeply, fundamentally even, mm -hmm. um, you have to enter into their mindset as much as exactly. you can. And say, why, are, why do they think this? How, how can they understand this? What do they mean by this? And, um, and that's the only way I think to actually understand someone enough to disagree with them appropriately. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Once you, so true. once you understand, you can only really rebut someone when you have thoroughly tried on their way of seeing the world and, and understood what it meant and, and why you should do that. But I think that also relates to the fact that, um, conversations can't be engaged with unless there's that sense of mutual 
mm-hmm. um, honor and mutual right. humility. And, you know. Conversation isn't about telling you yeah. why I'm right. Yes. It's about engaging in ideas together. Well, and it's mutual. And, um, you know, if, if we had a conversation in which you just shouted at me and told me everything that was wrong, <laughs> that would, by very definition, not be mm-hmm. a conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's something that's so undervalued in our culture, graciousness, mm-hmm. the ability to see the other person as a human being, to mm-hmm. listen with charity, um, and, and to honor people in our conversations and in the way that we speak to each other. Well, I'm going to go back to your first question, which okay. is about parenting, mm-hmm. because our desire was to help you cultivate the capacity that you had inside your mind and with your words, and to set you free, not to control you. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of times when you don't honor the other person and their ability and their personality, and that they they want to have something to say, that they actually have feelings deep Mm -hmm. inside, um, by us honoring your worth, even as little children, Mm -hmm. um, you grew way beyond us in your capacity to communicate, to understand, to write, to think, because we believed forward in the abilities that you had. Mm-hmm. And that requires someone looking at another human being with a respect for the potential that is um, dormant inside mm-hmm. of them. And that we're kind of like magicians that mm-hmm. get to draw <laughs> out. With words. Oh, yeah, we get to draw out what is inside of you already, a desire to know, to grow, to be, to communicate, to think. And um, I, I just... Uh, saw that so much the more we practiced it mm. the more amazing you all became <laughs> yeah. and that reminds me and I think maybe this is a good place to kind of bring the conversation to um, reminds me of how God relates to us mm-hmm. um, I've been so true I've been doing this and I think that you really modeled that to us but I've been doing I've been tutoring for a intro to theology class um, and I say this Name mainly so that if people want to go read him, they can. But Christoph Schrobel is teaching it, and he's this wonderful Lutheran um, theologian. And how would you of, spell that last name? Um, Mom, don't quiz <laughs> me on air. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's S C H W umlaut B E L. Um, umlaut? No, what's the O with yeah, two dots? Yeah, it's the O with two dots above it. Yeah, not yeah. umlaut because that's a U. But you know what I mean. No, no, no. It is, is it an umlaut? It's an umlaut. Yeah, I oh. think it's on U's and O's. I okay. think. Well, I think. So you all can correct us. <laughs> uh, but anyway, one of his central ideas, and one of the things we've talked about a lot in the class, is um, God's disclosure of himself to mm-hmm. us and the way that being a human is essentially being in conversation with God. And the way that we talked about this to begin with is that, you know, we there are ways people have tried to kind of think their way or imagine their way or emote their way to God, right? Like you look at We've been talking about Thomas Aquinas's five ways. He gives these five ways to justify the existence of God or Anselm's ontological argument. And these are ways of understanding that God exists, but there's only so far that can take us. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we've talked about a lot is that the Christian religion is based on the idea that God discloses himself mm-hmm. to us, that mm-hmm. he opens up. Uh, what he is like, and he kind of presents it as as something that we can engage with and know and talk about. And we were talking about before we started this podcast about um, even how Jesus does that to his disciples, yeah. that he doesn't say to them, he kind of makes himself known, he makes himself available. He, you know, the great word people sometimes use to describe this is the condescension of God to us. Not that he is condescending, but that he is condescending. He's humble. He said, I am humble in me. Yeah, uh-huh. he's made us 
he's made himself not this unknowable entity. He's made us himself available as a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that we can know things about God because God has walked around on earth, because God has said things about God's self in scripture, because... Um, he was a God who communicated that he loved us. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that, uh, that the great kind of text people use when we talk about Jesus identifying himself as Christ is when... Um, Peter comes to him and he tells him all the different people that people, you know, how people have talked about Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say, that's cool. I'm the Christ. Mm -hmm. He says, well, Peter, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that small Peter says, um, you're the Christ. And, you know, in my, in my, uh, morning prayer says, you're, you're the Christ. And we have believed and come to know that you are the Holy one of God. Mm -hmm. Um, to whom shall we go? And, he gave him an opportunity, just like we we're talking about, yeah, to verbalize what was in his heart in order to affirm what was in his heart. Yes, and I just I love that image of God being in conversation with us. That God speaks, um, that God speaks, and then actually cares that we respond. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite passages, one of the most striking passages to me is I think it's in Isaiah when when he says, "Come." Let us reason together. For, yes. For though your sins, you know, were like scarlet, you should be white as snow. But I love that picture of God saying, let's have a conversation. Let's talk. And that's this radical, mm-hmm. I don't. I think sometimes we forget how wonderfully strange it is. Mm-hmm. It's that so true. the God who is beyond comprehension invites us into a conversation, makes himself a topic of conversation. He was walking in the garden looking for companionship. Yeah, with looks Adam to and talk Eve with at us. the very beginning, yeah. Well, yeah. you know... Um, you had a brother. <laughs> you have two brothers. In but fact, one of, I have two. <laughs> but one of your brothers uh, said, you know, it's such a shame that so many people think that being a Christian is about being good and being right and being perfect. Mm-hmm. And he said, but I feel like our God is a God who um, loves golden retrievers and who, who mm-hmm. speaks to us through the sunsets and the sunrises and the stars. And and he said, um, our God is bigger than life. And mm-hmm. I think that um, even when we came to the area of faith, we we didn't want you all just to think that God was one who cared about you being good. That's mm-hmm. all he cared about. How good are you? No, mm-hmm. you fell short. Um, we wanted there to be this organic, life-giving communicator. You know, Jesus mm-hmm. the Word who, um, who, who cared about uh, you, who cared about music and art and human beings and seasons and life. And he wanted to talk with us about that. We wanted mm-hmm. you... To have a picture of a God who is alive and communicating every single day. So that you would feel like you had the ability to relate to God, not just to relate to a doctrine. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And you did. And that was, mm-hmm. that, for which I am very thankful. And it reminds me of one, one last thing scripturally. I, I was thinking, I, I talked a long time ago with my friend Tobias on the podcast about mm. Job. And about how, you know, Job has all these terrible things happen to him. And then he laments all of them and wishes he hadn't been born. And all of his friends come and tell him it's because he was bad or this or that. And at the end of Job, after all these very philosophical diatribes, um, God says of Job, Job has spoken rightly of me. And usually it's translated rightly of me. But Tobias told me, my friend who's in biblical studies, that it's actually Job has spoken steadfastly to me. And the really? re- yes, and the reason he postulates that Job huh. is is celebrated by God is not because he found the right answer about God. It's because while all of his other friends were 
hypothesizing about these kind of you know mm. theodicies about God. Mm-hmm. Job was in conversation with God. With God. Job was was ranting and raving and asking and begging and bargaining and that that is what God wants. He does uh-huh. not want us to say things about him but to say things with him and to him. That is profoundly important. I mean even when I think about you and me the reason I enjoy you so much mm-hmm. is because you are such a great friend to me. You speak to me, you communicate to me, you engage with me, you encourage me and um, that is really true joy. I wish I had known that before. I know, isn't it? I I really just I never knew that about him. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we could go on and on, but I have to go off to another conversation for (laughs) academic life. Um, But it's been so delightful to have you on today, Mama. And um, and people should go if you if you are looking for resources on parenting and on education. and this seemed like a good conversation to you, you should go check out sallyclarkson.com and particularly my mom's new book, Awakening Wonder. Do you want to say a little tiny bit about it? Just, it it was a lot of what Joy said today, that uh, Mm -hmm. our desire as parents, as we became idealistic about it, was to unearth their potential, their um, personalities, their skills, their mind, their ability to think and reason and talk. And, um, and so we wrote a book about awakening, being parents who awaken wonder mm. in the life of their child, the mind and the heart and the life of their child. Thank you, Joy. Well, thank you for being the first conversation partner. And friends, next week I have the wonderful and deeply intelligent and jolly Esau Macaulay to talk about um, his new book, Reading While Black. So that is a conversation that you should listen into. And I can't wait to join in with you all to a wonderful um, season of conversations. One final thing is that I'll be hosting smaller conversations um, on my Patreon. So each week I'm doing small readings, a a mini secret podcast, and um, a discussion group. And I really loved doing that there. And I would encourage you to check it out at patreon.com forward slash Joy Clarkson. If you want to not only enjoy these kind of larger conversations, but join in on some more personalized conversations. Thank you all for listening and I'll catch you next week.